Thank you, Faisal. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the conference call of Hindustan Unilever Limited. We will be covering this evening the results for quarter and half year ended 30th September 2021. On the call from our end is Mr. Sanjeev Mehta, Chairman and Managing Director, and Mr. Ritesh Tiwari, Chief Financial Officer. We hope that you are staying safe and healthy. As is customary, we will start the presentation with Sanjeev sharing the perspective on the market and overview of how we are navigating the current environment. Then, Ritesh will share with you the performance for the quarter with the category highlights and the outlook for the future. Before we get started with the presentation, I would like to draw your attention to the safe harbor statement. With that, over to you, Sanjeev. Thank you, Ravi. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us on the call today. It's always a pleasure to interact with each one of you. I hope that you and your loved ones are safe and keeping well. My greetings to you on the beginning of the festive season. Let me begin with talking about the market context and the performance in this quarter and touch upon a few actions that we have undertaken to build what we believe is a purpose-led future fit in the San Unilever. Operating environment improved progressively after the second wave. Infection rates are largely under control with last seven days average COVID cases reported in the country staying below 20,000. Thanks to the immense efforts of the government authorities and frontline warriors, a vaccination program has indeed picked up pace. Till date, we have administered close to a billion doses, giving at least one dose to more than 70% of the adult population. Mobility continues to improve through the quarter and was at more than 85% of pre-COVID levels as of the exit of September. The recent employment data from CMI is also indicating a recovery with total employment numbers almost back to pre-COVID levels. However, there are still challenges. Despite the pickup in economic activity and macro indicators tracking back to pre-COVID levels, there are some key challenges. As for Nielsen data, SMCG market growth, which picked up after the second wave, saw some moderation in August and September. Rural markets, which had shown good resilience thus far during the pandemic, have slowed in the last couple of months. Urban should hopefully benefit from further improvement in mobility and from a weak base relative to rural. Next few months will be critical to assess the underlying market demand and determine whether these are transient or structural. We must understand that whenever we look at quarterly growths, it is with reference to the base period. So sometimes it's very important for you to go beyond just the one-year number and look at two-year numbers. As seen from the recent RBI Consumer Confidence Survey, the sentiment while improved versus July 21 still remains subdued as consumers were concerned about the impact of lower household incomes and high inflation. Prices for many commodities continue to be at multi-year highs. Palm oil prices continue to be at record levels while crude and packaging feedstocks have also rallied significantly. While tea prices have softened versus the record levels of 2020, prices are still high compared to 2019 levels. Further, global supply chains are witnessing massive disruption. 
with shortages of shipping containers, skyrocketing shipping rates, congestion at ports, and the recent energy crisis in China. So, in summary, while the operating environment has improved, it has remained challenging in this quarter. In this context, we have delivered what we believe is a robust and competitive performance in the quarter with our domestic consumer business growing at 11%. Our business fundamentals remain strong and we continue to gain market shares and penetration in more than 75% of our business. The strength of our brands, our execution progress has enabled us to take price increase in a calibrated manner leading to a sequential step up in consumer pricing. We have been able to provide the right price value equation to the consumers and thus predict our business model in a highly inflationary scenario. This coupled with a laser sharp focus on savings by playing four lines of the P&L dynamically has resulted in a sequential improvement in EBITDA margins by 70 bips, taking our margins to 25%. We have a clear and compelling strategy, which we spoke about in detail during our investor meet last month. Our five strategic choices underpinned by strong operational excellence and our distinctive hard-to-replicate capabilities will enable us to drive growth and create a purpose-led future fit HUL. Now let me talk about some of the actions we took in this quarter to bring this alive. Over the next few charts, I will take you through some of the work that a world-class R&D and marketing team have done in this quarter. Let me start with beauty and personal care. We had a number of innovations and activations in skincare and color cosmetic categories. Pons has launched its global gold beauty range for a radiant gold-like glow. It's a daily skincare regime which includes face wash, serum, day cream, peel-off mask, and a night cream. Pons has also launched an on-trend vitamin C serum infused with lemon, green papaya, and pomegranate extract. With festival around the summer, LACME has introduced limited edition range of lip colors to make the festive season more special. LACME also launched Lumi Cream, which is a light moisturizer with a hint of highlighter for a 3D glow. Vaseline's new lip tints help you get healthy looking and soft lips. It has specialized formulation for perfect lip care. Bringing alive its purpose, our brand Glow and Lovely through its new campaign showcases that there is no one Miss India. Women in all streams are Miss Indias in their own profession. The brand believes that every girl has a glow and to unlock a full potential Glow and Lovely careers platform provides free resources to girls to start the story of success. Let me now move to hair care. Sensing the consumer's need for voluminous hair, Presme has launched its new thick and full shampoo and conditioner with biotin and wheat protein to give thicker and fuller look. Expanding its hair mask range, Dove has introduced a new variant with oat milk and honey extracts for stronger and healthy looking hair. Pepsodent was relaunched in this quarter with a new and improved formulation. Its new Germicic toothpaste has an advanced anti-germ formula with clove and neem oil and a patented 6CPC technology for eight scientifically proven benefits to provide whole mouth protection.
new Lifebuoy with silver plus formula was launched in this quarter, which provides 100% stronger germ protection against new viruses. Driving the WEMI spirit, we now have superior product mixes for Lux, depending on consumer preferences. Not only the mixes, but our communications are also tailored for WEMI. Dove's new activation is talking about skin-friendly antiperspirant deodorant and roll-on, which has 0% alcohol and one-fourth moisturizing cream for even and smooth underarms. Let me now move to home care. Our largest laundry brand, SurfXL, took another step in the journey towards a clean future by introducing SurfXL Matic Liquid with 100% biodegradable actives in the product formulation and 50% recycled plastic in packaging, a great start to reducing the environmental footprint in the product life cycle. The product, pack, and communication change are a slight nudge from SurfXL to the citizens that the choices make a difference in creating a world we all wish for. The new brand communication film is centered around the idea of taking control of our future in small ways we can. RIN is extending its clean future journey by introducing a new RIN bar, a superior cleaner product which is 100% phosphate free. To address the need for superior toilet hygiene, Domex has launched a new evidence-based campaign demonstrating the superior benefits of Domex Fresh Guard Disinfectant Toilet Cleaner. The improved formula of the product reduces water, stain, and germ buildup, thereby troubleshooting persistent problems such as cleanliness, hygiene, and malodor. <coughs> when our dishwash cleaning brand aims to break gender stereotypes in its new campaign and encourages girls to get ahead of dishwashing. Next one is a heartwarming film from Sunlight. Weaver's livelihood in Bengal have been impacted due to COVID-19 and dwindling demand. Through its purpose, live life in color. Sunlight has embarked on a journey to add colors to the lives of handloom weavers, the talented men and women who have kept our rich cultural heritage alive for generations. The new brand campaign, Sunlight Santi Rong, is a unique initiative to connect weavers with famous contemporary designers. Comfort has come up with a new contextual communication to prevent malodor from close during the monsoon season. Now let me move to FNR. India is home to more than 70 million diabetics, second highest in the world. Careful dietary management is a necessary part of living with diabetes and a high-fiber diet is scientifically proven to help. Horlicks has launched Diabetes Plus which fulfills 26% of daily fiber requirement, which helps in managing blood sugar, reduce cholesterol, and supports weight management. Kisan expanded its peanut butter range by adding the crunchy variant. This has now become a part of my daily breakfast, and I would urge you to use it. It's absolutely brilliant product. It is made out of 100% real peanuts and is an excellent source of protein offering sweet delicacies to consumers during Durga Puja, the biggest festival in West Bengal. Quality Wars is dialing up its new campaign across pandals and on digital media. Pujo Mane Mishti, Pujo Mane Quality Wars. 
boost as a rich legacy of inspiring kids and giving them the right motivation and stamina to overcome challenges, even when the odds are against them. In this new campaign, it aims to bring, break stereotypes around girls and sports. With grit, perseverance, and stamina, the brand hopes to inspire the next generation of athletes. Building on its credentials of providing restaurant-like food at home, Nord has activated a new communication for its Chinese sauce and gravy mix. Bringing alive its purpose, Brookborn Three Roses, in its latest art film, showcases how a mother-in-law's doubt turns into support for a daughter-in-law over the perfect cup of tea. The campaign associates the three iconic attributes of color, taste, and strength of Three Roses to the versatility of the modern Indian woman, just as she perfectly manages work, family, and motherhood. Let me now talk about nutrition. In the past, we have spoken about the nutrition deficiency in India and the low penetration levels in health food drinks category. So very clearly, the job here is to increase penetration and develop the market. We are doing this through persuasive communication, consumer connects, and driving physical reach. Our new food equivalence communication in Horlicks is focused on explaining the goodness that is filled in a cup of Horlicks. I spoke about the Boost campaign aimed at breaking stereotypes. Consumer connects at scale is a critical leg of a market development strategy. In this quarter, we did more than 5 million consumer connects. We are doing this in low penetration geographies where the promoters visit home and educate the consumers about the category and build its relevance through a brand to increase penetration. Along with the mental reach, driving physical reach is a key component of a strategy. Last quarter, we spoke about our go-to-market integration plans. I'm very happy to tell you that we have been progressing well. Until date, we have integrated more than 85% of our business, up from 50% as of June end. As we integrate our distribution systems, we're also increasing our effective coverage, which is now at 1.9x of pre-GTM integration levels. All this has helped us in increasing penetration sequentially and deliver double-digit volume growth in our health food drinks business. Let me now talk about the premium beauty business unit. I'm really happy to tell you that this unit, our incubator set up within the HUL ecosystem, is doing well and scaling up its digital presence. With its focus on building digital-first beauty brands and reflecting its agility, the business has expanded its range to cover Central, Love, Beauty, and Planet, and Baby Dove. Driving on-trend innovation, Simple has launched three booster seasons. And Love, Beauty, and Planet has launched sulfate-free hair care range with onion and apple cider vinegar. Dialing up our innovation intensity in this space, we have charted an aggressive plan to launch new and on-trend innovations. PBBU, what we call as the premium beauty business unit, is not just about building brands, but it is also about incubating capabilities. Some of these are having an agile innovation model to pick up trends on the fly, launch the product in minimal time, scaling it up as it succeeds, building supply chain for smalls like nano factory setups and flexible supply chain to provide agility, 
performance marketing D2C and e-com capabilities required to target, target top 50 million consumers who are digital natives. Elaborating on a digital presence, we now have dedicated D2C platforms for four of our beauty brands, Lakme, Simple, Love Beauty and Planet, and Dermalogica. Just to expand on this further, Lakme, our iconic beauty brand, has the highest followership on Instagram across all beauty brands in India. The D2C platform of Lakme gets more than 2 million visitors per month. And together with e-commerce, it contributes to more than 30% of the brand turnover. Now talking about channels, COVID-19 has of course given a big fillip to e-commerce and we believe these habits will continue to stick with consumers as they get used to the con convenience and assortment available online. Modern trade stores which were impacted due to closure of malls have come back strongly in the quarter as the country opened and rightly so as in a country shopping is considered an outing and an experience. General trade continued its resilient performance. As far as we are concerned, our job is to create triple win. Win for the consumers, win with the customers, and win in HUL. We are doing this by ensuring dedicated capabilities and driving everyday great execution. We already have exclusive channel-wide structures across our organization, both in the case of modern trade and e-com, we created structures well ahead of time, giving us a significant competitive edge. Further, we are continuously curating our portfolio and marketing content to make it fit for the channel. For example, in general trade, we are launching more access packs and sachets to drive accessibility of our products, while in modern trade, we are bringing large packs, multi-packs which provides the right pack price architecture. In e-com, we are continuously enhancing a portfolio to near formats and benefits, ensuring better value density. This, together with the capabilities across content, search, and performance marketing, has helped us significantly dial up growth and create a competitive advantage for us. Talking about execution excellence, we've improved our effective coverage and assortment not only versus JQ21, which was a COVID-impacted quarter, but also we are now better than pre-COVID levels. We are building brands in modern trade stores and driving experiential marketing. In e-com, our brands have best-in-class discoverability across platforms driven by excellent execution. Let me now talk about demand capture. You will recall that in the last quarter, we spoke about digitized demand capture across our future-ready platforms like eB2B AppShaker, e-commerce, and D2C, which was more than 10% of our business. I'm so pleased to inform you this has further been scaled up, and now more than 15% of our demand is captured digitally. This also gives us a unique ability to run our demand generation activities in a disruptive manner. Our e2b app eB2B app Shikhar is a real game changer for us. It is about building next-gen future-proof distribution model to serve our retailers. With Shikhar, the promise of classical Hindustan Unilever customer-centric salesmen is now available online in an app. 
What's more, it is available 24 by 7 and comes with credit options. It is indeed our digital first approach in which Kirana salesmen and distributors are well integrated. I'm very happy to inform you that Shikhar is now available in more than 650,000 stores and its adoption and stickiness only continues to grow. Talking about e-com, we are accelerating growth in this channel by building feature fit portfolio, marketing capabilities and by driving everyday great execution. In the D2C space, our multi-brand platform, U-Shop, continues to gain more traction from the consumer. We started U-Shop in Mumbai and Delhi and will be expanding further soon. As I spoke earlier, we have further added <coughs> D2C platforms for a premier brand, Simple Love Beauty and Planet and Dermalogica, in addition to the existing ones for Lakme and Indulekha to provide unique shopping experience to our consumers. I see now is another initiative where we have tied up with last mile delivery partners like Swiggy, Zomato, Danzo to provide home delivery of ice creams and is doing extremely well. Now let me talk about purpose which we believe certainly drives growth. At HUL we have long held the belief that being a responsible, sustainable business makes us a stronger and better business. In fact, we believe it's the only way of doing business. To this effect, in the quarter, we made some good progress on our sustainability initiatives. Let me talk about a few examples. We have eliminated CO2 emissions from thermal energy in operations by replacing coal with green alternatives such as biomass and biodiesel. The impact of this transition not only increases our green footprint, but also improves the quality of air around a factory and enhances the income of farmers. Through a vision for a clean future, we are committed to transitioning away from fossil fuel-derived chemicals in our cleaning and laundry products by 2030. Carbon Rainbow inspires us to use plant-based surfactants, green carbon in laundry powders and liquids in place of black carbon. We have partnered with Tuticorin alkali chemicals and carbon clean solutions for soda ash using carbon capture technology. They've developed cutting edge technologies to capture the CO2 from production processes and turn it into soda ash. This will reduce air pollution as well as the GHG footprint of the raw materials used in manufacturing of a laundry detergent. Our brands have a big role to play in achieving ambition on reducing, reusing, and recycled plastic. Recently, a laundry brand served introduced surfexalmatic liquid using 100% biodegradable actives and formulation with 50% recycled plastic in packaging. Another example is a smart film machine, an in-store vending model for a home care products. In the pilot phase, the machine has been installed at a mall in Mumbai. The initiative offers consumers an innovative option to reuse plastic bottles by refilling our home care products like Surfexel, Comfort, and Bwim through the smart film machine. Drawing learnings from the pilot, we intend to scale this up in future. We launched our sixth Suvida Center at Khatkopan in Mumbai in partnership with the BMC and HSBC. The unique Suvida model has helped provide good quality sanitation services to over 100,000 urban low-income households in Mumbai. Additionally, the new center will be one of the first of its kind 
to treat and reuse both grey water and black water through which 10 million litres of water will be saved per year. COVID-19 vaccine efficacy is one of the questions for most on people's minds today. To understand the vaccine emergency and obtain deeper insights into whether factors like nutritional deficiencies or the skin's natural immunity plays, plays a role in the immune response, HUL is funding a study and will provide additional analytical data support to the center via R&D scientists. This research is being enabled by the Office of the Principal Scientific Advisor to the Government of India's program to stimulate collaboration between industry and academia. It has been carried out by the platform Vision, which is the Vaccine Immunology Studies Indian Outbreak Response Network, which includes top public and private research institutes across India. Today, I've taken a bit more time to give you a perspective of the innovations, activations, communications, and our digital journey. With this, let me now hand over to Ritesh as he provides some deeper insight into this quarter's performance. Thank you, Sanjeev. Good afternoon, everyone. I will now talk you through our September quarter performance, summarize our first half numbers, and give you a sense of future outlook as we're seeing it. As Sanjeev said, our September quarter performance has been robust in a challenging environment. Domestic consumer business grew 11% in the quarter with an underlying volume growth of 4%. This has been a strong competitive performance with more than 75% of our business gaining market share and relative penetration. On volume, let me just put that also in context of the shifting base and our recent previous quarter performance. June quarter 20 last year, our volumes had declined by 8%. On back of that, in June quarter 21, we increased our volume by 9%. Coming to September quarter, September quarter 20 last year, our volumes had grown 1%. On back of that, now in September quarter 21, our volumes are up 4%. So sequentially, the way we see, compared to June quarter, we have further accelerated our volume delivery. Talking about further on growth, growth has been broad based across all the three divisions. From a portfolio lens, health, hygiene, and nutrition, which is 85% of the business, continue to witness strong growth. Discretionary and out of home saw acceleration in momentum with improving mobility. I will speak about this in more detail as we get into category slides. EBITDA margins came in at a very healthy 25%. In the backdrop of a very high input cost inflation, we are pleased to deliver margins at the upper end of the 24-25% range that we had indicated earlier. Our focus on taking calibrated price increases using net revenue management principles coupled with a laser-sharp focus on savings has helped improve profitability while stepping up our ANP investments behind brands. On a year-on-year -year basis, EBITDA margins declined 40 BPS. Profit after tax, but before exceptional items, was up 7%. Our net profit at 2,187 crores increased 9% versus September quarter 20. The gap between PAT BEI and net profit is explained 
by lower restructuring and acquisition disposal related expenses in this quarter. There was also a 29 crore benefit from sale of Dalda brand rice in the rest of the geographies outside India. Let me now give you a flavor of growth across the three divisions. Home care sustained its double digit growth momentum, growing at 15%. Beauty and personal care grew 10%, led by skin care, color cosmetics, and hair care. Foods and refreshment delivered a strong growth of 7% on back of high teens growth in the base. Let me now click down and talk about performance within each of the divisions. Starting with home care, home care had another strong quarter of double digit growth. Household care continued to perform well led by BIM. BIM grew high single digits on a strong base in SQ20 which was in high teens. Domex had a muted quarter on back of an exceptionally high base. The good news is that it continues to deliver a significant step up to pre-COVID run rates. Fabric Wash had a high teens growth, albeit on a soft base. Our premium portfolio continued to do well in this quarter. Liquid and fabric sensation outperformed with growth in high double digit. On a three month basis, we gained shares handsomely in both laundry and dishwash categories. Calibrated price increases were taken across fabric wash and household care portfolio to partly offset the high input cost inflation. PV fires recovered well and grew double digit, led by an acceleration in e-commerce. Sales is now ahead of pre-COVID levels. Moving on to beauty and personal care, soaps had a stable performance growing on a very high base that we had in September quarter 20. Premium portfolio of soaps comprising of Dove and Pear continued to perform well and grew sequentially. Vimi's strategy in Lux has started yielding results and we saw a strong performance in this quarter. Lifewise continued to cement its market leadership. Hand hygiene portfolio comprising sanitizers and hand wash declined versus 2020 while continuing to remain higher than pre-COVID levels. Palm oil continues to be at record levels and witness further step up in this quarter. These are multi-year highs and we continue to take pricing in a calibrated manner to protect our business model while maintaining competitiveness of our brands. Healthcare had another very strong quarter as we continue to gain market shares. Our innovations and communications are finding relevance with the consumer and yielding good results. Here again, our premium brands performed exceptionally well. Skincare recovered strongly as mobility improved. Winter fell in, whilst below long-term normative levels is better than what we saw in 2020. Glow and Lovely delivered a steady performance, gaining market shares and continue to grow penetration. Color Cosmetics also had a strong quarter with improvement in mobility, albeit still slightly lower than pre-COVID levels. We are also very pleased with the expanding digital presence of Lakme brand. Not only is Lakme India's most followed beauty brand on Instagram, we have monthly 2 million visitors on our D2C website. And 30% of Lakme sales happen through digital channels. Close-up continued to do well in oral care. During the quarter, we relaunched Pepsodent with a superior formulation. Let me now talk about foods and refreshment division. Our tea business had a stellar performance over the years and more so recently, despite the significant inflation headwinds that the category saw. 
This outperformance continued into this quarter. We have further extended our market leadership both in volume and value terms. We also saw the inflation moderate in this quarter with raw tea prices falling below 2020 levels, albeit being more than 20% higher compared to 2019. We continue to watch this space and will take necessary steps across all six P's to ensure the right price value equation is provided to our consumers and to maintain our competitiveness. Coffee had a steady quarter with mid-single digit growth. Coming to nutrition, Sanjeev spoke about the acceleration in market development activities in this quarter. These are raising results as we saw health food drinks get back to double digit volume growth in this quarter. Penetration also improved sequentially. This volume growth has been driven by sachets and excess fat, thus giving us further confidence in our strategy in this category. The rupees 2 sachet has been doing well. We had launched this as the pressure test in Andhra and Telangana in March this year. And with encouraging signals, we have extended further to Karnataka and Tamil Nadu in the last few months. This is market development at scale, which we are invested in for a longer time horizon. With a new food equivalence concept in our communications and actual strength of market development, we believe that this penetration gains will continue to accrue over medium to long term. While Sanjeev covered it earlier, a quick reminder that we have now completed more than 85% of our go-to-market integration up from 50% levels we had at the end of previous quarter. Let me again reiterate the long-term plan we have for nutrition, which we spoke about in detail in the annual investor meet. In summary, our cost synergies realization in year one is already ahead of what we had planned in year three in the business case. Our main job to be done in this category is driving penetration and we're investing part of the synergies into key interventions like sachets, excess pack, and market development actions. Therefore, in short term, we will see volume growth running ahead of sales growth, but without diluting margins in comparison to pre-acquisition numbers. As we speak, our cash generation in the last year and a half is ahead of the business case assumptions. Now let me move on to foods. Foods had a soft quarter, with a strong prior comparator with SQ20 growing in double digits due to tailwinds that in-home categories saw at that point in time. Ketchup continues to do well, gaining shares handsomely. Jams recovered versus 2020. However, it is still not back to pre-COVID levels, with schools still not fully open. Our innovations, Kisan Peanut Butter and Hellman's Mayo, continues to gain more traction. We have launched a crunchy variant of peanut butter in this quarter. Ice creams had a fantastic quarter with a very strong recovery backed by strong innovations and effective communication. Sales in this quarter were significantly better than same period 2019 and in fact sequentially higher than June quarter 21 as well. Ice cream now, our partnership with last mile delivery partners to provide home delivery of ice cream is doing very well. As we have been doing for the past few quarters, let me now give you a snapshot of our performance from a portfolio lens. Given the noise in the base numbers, we have also given you two-year growth numbers alongside. From a two-year lens, all the three portfolios have accelerated versus June quarter 21. Health, hygiene and nutrition, which is 85% of the portfolio, continues to grow at a healthy pace. 
discretionary portfolio has recovered well with improvement in mobility and is almost back to pre-COVID levels. Out of home, which is majorly ice creams, has rebounded strongly and is ahead of pre-COVID levels. Now, this is an important slide. You heard about inflationary context on Sanjeev. Let me quickly recap some of the key messages. We continue to see unprecedented levels of inflation in some of our key input materials. Palm oil and its derivatives, which are used in our skin cleansing and hair care categories, have seen prices climbing further. Please be, please be mindful that these were already at historical highs. With the palm season in full swing and having visibility of stock levels, our expectation is for the global prices to remain supported in the near term. Crude and its derivatives are key inputs for our laundry and household care category. As you know, Brent crude has gone beyond $80 and has been holding firm. Packaging materials, both plastics, which are derived from crude, and also paper and board continue to be at very high levels, inflating 40 to 50 percentage over the course of past 12 months. Freight rates, especially ocean freight, has increased multifold over the past few months. A combination of factors like increasing demand, container imbalances and shortage, port congestion, and COVID restrictions have sent freight rates to unprecedented levels. As I had mentioned, we do see softening in tea prices on a year-on-year -year basis, but they continue to be elevated versus 2019. Besides all this, I'm sure you've been following the news of global supply chain disruption. Some of the key notes in global supply chain have been hit by a combination of factors, including COVID. Coming at a time when global economies are further opening up and there is an improvement in demand, this has caused a fair bit of heating up across value chains. From our perspective, the good news is that we don't expect to see any service issues as we have placed well with enough flexibility and resilience in our raw material sourcing. We also benefit from our global procurement relationships and scale. However, we do expect to see some transitory impact in the cost of materials as a result of this disruption. So all in all, we do expect margins to be under pressure in the near term. The way we will manage this is exactly how we have done in the past few quarters. We will continue to play all lines of the PNL, ensuring competitiveness of our brand and keeping EBITDA margin in a healthy range. If we talk about the current quarter, we continue to price up in the categories we are seeing input cost inflation using net revenue management principles or the science of pricing as we call it. With the inherent strength of our brands, we have been able to lead pricing. Our savings program continues to be robust, generating crucial fuel for growth by taking out costs that do not add value to consumers. As you know, we have developed strong reflex muscle in this space. We spoke, we spoke about mix being a tailwind as discretionary categories start rebounding. All of our drivers have helped us improve EBITDA margins sequentially by 70 BPS and bring it to the high end of 24-25% range we had indicated. At the same time, we have also stepped up media investment behind our brand and have ensured a very healthy share of voice to share of market ratio. Now from a segment lens, all three segments have performed well. Our margins in all three segments are healthy and we have stepped up gross margin sequentially. In summary, our performance has been strong both on top line and bottom line. I have already covered most of the lines in detail. Let me pick up a couple of more things to elaborate. The first is drop in other income, 
which is on account of lower treasury yield and one of credit in base from interest on tax prior period adjustment. The second is on effective tax rate. Our ETR for the quarter was 26%. Including the prior period adjustment we received in JQ21, we expect our full year ETR to be around 25%. This slide gives you a quick snapshot of the first half performance. Our reported turnover grew 12% to 24,246 crores with a broad base growth across all three divisions. EBITDA margins at 25% remained very healthy. Net profit for H1 was at 4,240 crores, growing 9% year on year. Taking into account the strong performance of the company, I am pleased to inform you that the board of directors have recommended an interim dividend of rupees 15 per share for the year ended March 31st, 2022, which is a step up of rupee 1 as compared to interim dividend of financial year 21. Coming to our last chart for the day, looking forward, we remain cautiously optimistic. With the rapid pace of vaccination in the recent past, we are hopeful that as a nation we can avoid further disruption from the spread of the virus. The next few months will be key to get a better understanding of the underlying demand. There are a few variables here. First being the normalization of economic activities. Second, the onset and intensity of winter. And finally, impact of inflation on consumer demand. Further, the inflationary conditions that I spoke about earlier are expected to persist in the near term. These commodities affect large parts of our business and hence gross margins are likely to remain under pressure. We remain confident of navigating this environment and delivering on our 4G growth agenda that is consistent, competitive, profitable and responsible growth. Over the course of past 12 to 18 months, we have once again demonstrated our ability and resilience to navigate such volatile and uncertain conditions and we remain confident of doing that going forward too. With this, we complete our prepared remarks and let me now hand over to Ravi to commence our Q&A session. Thank you, Sanjeev. Thank you, Ritesh. With this, we will now move on to the Q&A session. In addition to the audio, as always, our participants also have an option to post the questions through the web option on your screen. We'll take these questions just before we end. With that, I would like to hand over the call back to Faizan to manage the Q&A session for us. Faizan, over to you, please. Thank you very much. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on their touchstone telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. Participants are requested to use handsets while asking a question. Ladies and gentlemen, we will wait for a moment while the question queue assembles. Reminder to the participants, anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one at this time. The first question is from the line of Abneesh Roy from Edelweiss. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks uh, for the opportunity. My first question is on the rural growth. Uh, so Nielsen is saying that uh, rural FMCG market growth is almost one-third of urban in August plus September. So I wanted to understand uh, for you in Q2 how rural versus urban interplay has been and how do you see the outlook? I understand cautiously optimistic, but uh, that doesn't uh, give the full picture. Hi, Avnish. I hope you have enjoyed the puja holidays. 
yeah, is uh, just to give you a perspective that uh, our rural performance in September has been pretty robust and decent. But then we look at the market, and from a market perspective, the recent numbers which have come out, which uh, have been very resilient during this entire pandemic, have indeed slowed down in the last couple of months. And urban growth, which used to be muted, is picking up, and we hope that it will pick up even more with the improvement in mobility. And that is the reason we say that uh, we need to monitor the situation closely for the next few months to see how the underlying demand is shaping up. Yeah, that's where we are as far as rural is concerned, and that's where we are as far as the demand is concerned. Right. Sanjeev, uh, that was helpful. Uh, my follow-on question on the volume growth is, uh, uh, you must have seen good inflationary growth in skin cleansing and tea. If you could comment on the volume growth in skin cleansing, soap plus hand hygiene, and similarly tea, I understand in Tamil Nadu, because of ration shops uh, offering uh, tea, there was an impact, plus uh, uh, the prices have been volatile. So the industry took a lot of prices, and then there has been some correction in the uh, regional. So if you could comment on volume numbers for skin cleansing and tea. You know, the way I would look at it is from a portfolio lens, on a total profit. That's our strength as a business. I think uh, when you're looking at the volume growth, and uh, in the June quarter, we had a 9% volume growth as a total portfolio. But that was against the base, which was minus 8. Whereas if you look at a September quarter, we have 4%, so the headline looks like it has come down from 9 to 4, but the base in September quarter was 1%. So if you look at sequentially over a two-year period, we are uh, definitely looking at an improvement that has happened on volume growth, and that is what we need to focus on. We also need to understand, Abneesh, that uh, over a long-term period, if you look at it, our volume growth has been about 70% of our growth. That's on an average basis. But in a period where the price is higher, then the volume comes down, and when the price is lower, then the volume goes up. And we also have to understand the interplay between the price, the unit price packs and the volume growth. When you look at the price increase happens in two ways. One is when you take your MRP up, the other is when you reduce the quantity of products in a pack. When it comes to price point packs, the price increase happens when you reduce the quantity of product in a pack while protecting the price point. While you protect the price point, because of the reduction in quantity, this has an impact on your volume growth coming down, even though the number of units may remain same. Yeah? So I think what you need to look at it, when there is a hyperinflation, that first, are we competitive? Second, are we able to protect the business model? And when you look at it, competitiveness, we look at it, one is the competitiveness versus uh, other players in the market, and the other is we look at the fundamental metric of penetration. So for us, 
keeping the consumer franchise intact and protecting the business model when the environment is volatile is very critical and I'm very pleased to tell you that we are playing the game very well. Sure, Sanjeev, that was quite helpful and thanks for that. One last follow-up on the volume growth. So you have gained uh, in 75% of the portfolio market share slash penetration. If I remember this correctly, this number used to be around 85% two quarters back. So if you could elaborate uh, what has changed, where are you, uh, you know, still gaming? You know, again, uh, if we look at it globally, the index that people look at, that if you are getting 60% of your business gaining market shares, you are in a very good position. Because many times what happens is, it is a relative situation. You might have gained a huge amount of market shares in the base period, and a small moderation would show that you have not gained market shares during the current period. But then you need to look at it, how is your trend shaping up? You know, when we look at penetration, when we look at moderation, and when we look at our corporate value shares, we are in a very good position. Sure. My second and last question is on FFD. So, uh, 2 rupees sachet has been now taken to almost all the South markets. Uh, when do you see East and rest of the country also seeing the 2 rupees sachet? And yes. would you say that now double digit volume growth is, uh, is quite a reasonable expectation? Going See, it is like this. You know, we are playing a game for the long term. And uh, when we, you look at the growth paradigm or the delta growth paradigm, it hinged on a few critical things. One was innovation, which we are very pleased with. You would have seen the entire plus range come into the market. The second one was communication. You have seen how communication we are taking it up to a new level altogether. The third was distribution. Distribution, we are now pleased that the integration has happened up to 85%. But this would have been much faster had there been no COVID. But now we are getting into a rhythm and you will see the increase in distribution happening. And the last very critical leg is market development. Market development, a house-to-house, which is experiential market development, did slow down during the COVID period and we were not able to visit homes. It is only now that it has picked up and we have reached 5 million households, but our plans are much bigger. And that, together with the access packs, we believe will lay the ground for sustainable growth. Whether it happens this on a sustained basis in a quarter or in another quarter or two quarters, but certainly medium to long term, we will get into fabulous growth as far as this business is concerned. I'm very confident about it. But if you look at it from a lens which was a controllable factor for our sub-niche, was the cost savings. And cost savings are running ahead of the business case. Sure, that was very helpful. Thanks a lot, Sanjeev, and uh, all the best. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Aditya Soman from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hi. Uh, good evening and thanks for the opportunity. A couple of questions from my end. Uh, firstly, uh, in terms of uh, we're seeing some of these uh, businesses, particularly in uh, cosmetics, uh, uh, coming up raising funds. Uh, do you see uh, uh, do you see them as an opportunity to expand the market in the sense that they are getting uh, access to the online market and and, and uh, consumers uh, here as well 
not serviced or do you see them uh, potentially as competition down the line especially as they launch their own private label uh, often at more competitive price points so that was one and second uh, uh, in terms of the broader context uh, on the rural are you seeing any regional differences on rural or do you think it's just a, a broader slowdown on the market uh, in in rural in the last couple of months so you ask the first one you can pick up the second one so on cosmetics aritya uh, as you mentioned overall discretionary categories it had taken a beating in covid period where mobility got impacted and hence also consumption occasions to access also got impacted uh, the good news is we are almost back to 2019 in almost all discretionary categories on colors cosmetic in particular we are just about at 2019 levels so business has recovered with uh, mobility coming back and we do expect that with uh, some stellar work which government has done on vaccination uh, we should be able to see more amount of mobility improving that should further augur well for color cosmetics business now coming to the conversation which is spoke about online and offline absolutely that's the play uh, for us lakme our flagship brand which drives color cosmetic uh, it's a brand which is uh, the highest amount of instagram follower uh, amongst all the beauty brands in the country uh it's a brand which is available online it's a brand which is also available offline today 30% of sales of lakme comes online so we are very clear wherever consumers find safer and convenient to go to shop we will be there be it the beauty counters in a mall when things are opening up and life is looking more healthier and comfortable for people to visit or for that matter online experience of uh, shopping our portfolio and then getting benefit from the range that we offer so we will have our play across modern trade general trade and online as required to drive uh, sales of the business on the other question sir yeah you spoke about rural you know the number that we gave was the nielsen market growth number and that is obviously for the country as a large but uh, within the country the biggest market rural market is the hindi heartland which is up bihar madhya pradesh chatisgarh rajasthan and uh, that is what moves the needle yeah so while we must accept that india is not a homogeneous entity so one can never say and that is the reason we have the winning in many india strategy because we play different strategy in different parts of the country so at this stage i would say there are indicators because of a high base but whether it is something which is a transient nature or whether it is something which will translate into a concern i think let us see for a few more months as to how it really pans out absolutely team i think no my my questions uh, on both i mean firstly on the color cosmetics was uh, is there any indication that we've gained a lost share uh, uh, given that we are maybe flattish on a two year basis but but uh, if you look at the whole and the sort of prospectuses by these firms it, there seems to be quite a lot of growth in the category uh, and and secondly on the uh, on uh, rural i think the question was more of uh, if uh, the hindi heartland is what uh, nielsen data is suggesting a slowdown for the market then is it just a function of uh, consumers getting back to the cities uh, after a prolonged period or or is there anything more to read maybe maybe the we can take that one later see on face we have gained shares very handsomely yeah in the period under review it's been a wonderful journey in most of our big categories we have gained uh, very impressive shares so but you know you have to look at it from face 
and skin care from a very different lens. I think if you look at all the big markets in the world, India would be a place where HUL has perhaps the highest relative market share as compared to any other big market, not just for Unilever, for any of the big players. So our right to win is perhaps the highest as far as the skin care and face care is concerned than anywhere else. And as the country develops, this would be one of the fastest growing categories is our belief. And we are very well poised, is not just from a mainstream brands, but we are also very confident that the digital first brands that we are building is going to help us tremendously. That together with the digital capabilities that we are building across our business, our nano factories, for instance, that gives us massive flexibility. Or, uh, you know, the innovation hub that we have created, the AI hub, which gives us a huge amount of insights and has significantly crashed the time to innovation. All this we are looking at it from a lens that it should place us very well to gain growth and shares in the years to come. Thank you, Sanjeev. That was very clear. Thanks. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Avi Mehta from Macquarie. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, I team. Just had one uh, one question. Now, this quarter we have reached the upper range of the 24 to 25% EBITDA margin. With mix steadily improving as beauty comes back, uh, you know, do would you you know would look to revisit this as the mix improvement partly? alleviates the input cost pressures and we've been kind of taking calibrated price hikes. So would love to have your comments on this. Yeah, that's a very good question. And certainly we are seeing the discretionary categories pick up and within the discretionary phase is a big thing. And uh, like I was saying, uh, uh, you know, if you compare uh, the quarter, September quarter, in September quarter 20 versus 19, we were at 63% of 19. Whereas in September quarter of 21, we are 103% of September quarter 19. So it has definitely picked up. And it's a very attractive category for us. So there wouldn't be a tailwind as far as the mix on discretionary is concerned. But at this stage, we don't want to commit to a band beyond what we had indicated because of the inflation on the total portfolio. But there will be some pluses, some minuses. But the important bit is our ability to navigate through the turbulence. And there we remain pretty confident. Okay. And Sanjeev, just one bit on the industry side. I just want to know if you are seeing any signs of you know, downgrading or is that something that is causing you concern? Uh, or is it just a sense that rural growth rates have not necessarily picked up? Is is that what you are kind of con concerned about? Uh, is, is my reading of that situation correct? See, uh, see, see, let me give you a picture. That if we look at some of our brands, which are premium brands, like Dove, for instance, Presme, for instance, Bears, for instance, they're all doing very well. Hmm. But this is also because it is many Indias, right? There are many consumers who go in for premium brands. Or take a Surfexel brand. Yeah, it has been roaring, absolutely roaring, whether you look at it from a growth lens or you look at it from a market share lens. 
Yeah, we have perhaps the highest ever market share we have had in lottery. And uh, uh, so India is many Indias. When you come to the top end, uh, who are relatively less sensitive to price change, the premiumization journey continues. But on the other hand, people who are at the BOP, yeah, they would obviously be looking at titrating the volume, not necessarily downtrading when it comes to price increase. Okay. Okay. So at this at this stage, we are not seeing a significant down trading happening. Okay, got it, got it. Uh, thanks, thanks. That's all from my side. This is clear. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Arnab Mitra from Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, on the volume growth of four percent this quarter. Uh, so this obviously comes on a base when you had a very weak uh, personal care business last year, September quarter, and even laundry had a very soft September quarter. So as you go into second half, which was pretty normal last year, uh, including the winter being pretty good, uh, are there not more like uh, risks on the downside to the volume growth, or are there other parts of the equation which you think can offset this uh, base effect, which is quite large uh, as you go ahead into the second yeah. half? You know, different things are at play because it's not a very normal linear function which normally happens, save and except the seasonal trend. If you look at it at the beginning of the pandemic, categories like laundry took a beating because people were not stepping out and the number of washes had come down. And then categories like skin cleansing, especially hand wash and sanitizers were, you know, going through like a bullet train. Now what we are seeing is hand sanitizers and uh, even liquid hand wash are moderating. And uh, categories like laundry picked up and they are still running at a pretty good pace. But what is very important for us is discretionary is now picking up. So this is not a very comparable scenario right now. And that's the reason I say that the bases are distorted. So one will have to then see that how we play the portfolio, which I'm pretty confident of navigating, and that's sometimes a big benefit of having a white portfolio, because somewhere you do well, somewhere you don't do well. But on a total basis, you keep performing reasonably well. And uh, that is what we need to see. And the important bit we still say is, guys, don't get taken in by headline numbers. Wait to see how the underlying demand shapes up. Because what are we talking about? As a country, by end of the year, we will get back to 2019 GDP. Yeah, that's what we are all hoping and seeing. Then the critical bit will be once the base has been corrected, how does the country grow? And that will have a very clear impact on our categories. And uh, I am, if you were to ask me, am I bullish about next year? I am, yes, I am bullish about next year. There are, of course, headwinds of inflation, which we will have to navigate. But as a country, I think we should be doing well. Uh, right. And uh, just on that point, is there a threshold uh, of volume growth that is acceptable uh, to you in the sense that, you know, you have pricing power and you are putting in more pricing? Yeah, 
Uh, th- that's a good question. When environment is normal, you focus on volume growth to ensure that your consumers don't leave you. When the environment becomes extraordinary, you don't focus on volume growth as much as you look at the shares that you don't want to lose the consumer franchise. So you look at the consumer franchise, you look at the penetration of your products in the household, and you look to protect the business model. That's what we do. Sure. So that's uh, that's very helpful to you. Thanks, Dr. Thomas. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Percy Pandaki from IAFL Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, hi team, uh, good evening. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, I have two questions, uh, one on Shikhar and one on the demand scenario. So let me go ahead with Shikhar first. So uh, uh, I just wanted to understand from your point of view, from HUL's point of view, what are the benefits that uh, Shikhar confers uh, on you? Uh, and are they measurable in any way? So would you say that the benefit is in somehow increasing the revenue? Or is it uh, mainly in terms of uh, reducing the cost? Uh, or is it a combination of both? So some uh, uh, idea on uh, this, please. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Percy. You know, Shikhar, today, we are not using it to replace the salesman. Today, it is complementary to our human selling system. What used to happen is many times between two calls, the outlet will get out of order and they would wait for the salesman to come. It will get out of stock and they will wait for the salesman to come when they place an order. The second important bit is because the retailer orders and carries inventory which will last until the next visit of the salesman comes in, yeah, he would end up carrying more inventory. So now we are talking about and cajoling the retailer that you carry more assortment. And if you run out of stock, you can place an order whenever you feel like. So we are bringing in more efficiency to the system and bringing in more assortment in the front line, which will make a difference to our growth. And this system today is a complementary system and not a substitute. Understood, uh, Sanjeev. My, because my impression was that uh, the outlets which are uh, under direct uh, coverage, they are anyway serviced uh, by your uh, distributor salesman uh, once or twice a week, depending on the size of the outlet. So anyways, if he is going to get serviced uh, on an average uh, every four or five days, uh, does it really add that much value that instead of uh, four or five days he gets service every one or two days? It does because what we are doing is we don't even have shikhar. We are realigning our servicing capability so that we can service an outlet whenever we receive an order and we are moving from a traditional N plus two or N plus three delivery system to N plus one delivery system. Yeah, so we are making the chain much more smoother. We are ensuring there is minimal time between out of stock and replenishment. And we are also ensuring that the retailer 
is incentivized to carry wider assortment which leads to better growth understood just a small other bit other bit per per we should also is uh, we now have a seamless system uh, whereby sbi offers credit to a retailer without any paperwork based on the purchases from hr that's another big advantage and these are some capabilities which are going to hold us in big stead as we go forward because just think of it that classically this will allow us to even improve the direct coverage of the outlets that we have sure sure got you and this 15% uh, contribution of shikhar uh would it be higher than 15% in rural or in urban or they are more or less equal uh, 15% contribution for either of urban or rural i don't want to exact number i just want to know which one is higher no what is happening is shikhar has is being rolled has been adopted by about 650000 outlets yeah and uh, right now it is more in urban and semi urban but progressively going down to the rural areas and just to clarify for see the 15% number that uh, we have quoted that includes all the components where we able to make digital sales it includes shikhar includes e-commerce both uh, eb2c eb2b and our uh, d2c websites so all three component put together our digital demand capture is now more than 15% okay okay got you uh second question sir is on demand so if i look at it uh, the pandemic uh, disruption is now almost behind us uh, barring a third wave uh so if i go back to the demand scenario just before the pandemic if i look at the first uh, three quarters of the fy 1920 fiscal uh demand was very slow at that point of time and uh, the pandemic uh, on the margin would just have uh, hurt uh, consumers especially the low income consumers if not the uh, mid and high income consumers uh, but the low income consumers has definitely gotten hit by uh, the pandemic and even pre pandemic as i said the demand was uh, very uh, slow so what has really changed that just because of the pandemic i'm not just because but uh, after the pandemic uh the demand will really sort of uh, now uh, go even uh, beyond what uh, the growth rates were uh, pre pandemic i want so, to understand so, what are the so, drivers for the yeah. growth so, so that's a very good point uh for see because you, you know we have to accept that in 2019 uh before the pandemic when we were also flagging off that the consumer growths are tapering away that was also linked to the economic growth of the country slowing down yeah now with uh, then the rural growth picked up which was helped by various factors including a good harvest including improvement in msp which resulted in more wages and government's more allocation to rural which included uh, madrega outlet direct transfer of money and free food grains all that contributed to rural bumps back yeah now what are the other factors one is government significant more investment in infrastructure that should play a big role in the economic activities picking up and the growth picking up at the end of the day consumer our fmcg growth gets reflected with what happens in the underlying economy 
and is also a contributor to the economic growth. So it has a nice interdependent relationship with the macro indicators. But we, all of us are hoping that India is not going to languish at 3-4% growth. Yeah? With us getting back to the 2019-20 size of the economy, you're still looking at predictions which indicates that India should be growing at a very robust pace next year, which is a very good sign. That means the total economy is picking up, and that would result in FMCG growth picking up. Sure. Got you, Sanjeev. Just a comment here on the GDP growth. Uh, uh, we've seen a 7% real GDP decline in FI21. FI22 growth expected is 9. So, so the point, point is... is point basis, we have only a 2% uh, growth over a two-year period. In normal, in absence of COVID, over a two-year period, we would have a 10% real GDP growth. So there is actually right. a whole of 8 percentage points in the economy, which is That's not right. going to get filled even in FI23. That's right, yeah. But it is not that if the growth goes away, it automatically fills in. It's not like a water tank, right? that the water has gone away and when the water normalizes, it automatically fills in. You have to have an underlying activity to make it happen because that consumption was lost forever. Now you're talking about that, yes, we are talking about going back to the same size of the country's GDP, but if we maintain that momentum of 7-8% growth, then you're talking about the momentum growth rate coming back. That's what we need to look at. Got you. Got you, Sanjeev. That's all from me. Thanks and all the best. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Alok from Ambed Capital. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, team. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. My first question is on the beauty and personal care portfolio. Uh, Sanjeev, wanted to get your views that uh, do you think there is potentially a need to get one more brand which can, say, bridge your gap between bonds and for your simple or love between climate? Maybe you know that brand can study across skincare, hair care, and, and potentially compete also with the D2C uh, brand. Your thoughts on that? I see. I see. You know, you're basically talking about brand extensions. You know, we look at brand extensions when we believe that the extension can not only take from the core, but add to the core. A classic example is Dove. Yeah, Dove will become, you know, one of the most prized beauty brands in the country. Even now, it's on a fabulous journey. If you recall, it started with skin cleansing, then it went to hair. But in hair, it's done such a remarkable job that it is now one of the biggest brands in hair. And uh, it will become, I, I would definitely say, one of the largest brands in hair care, and it would become one of the largest brands in beauty. Today we are looking at also, how do we extend into Lekha, which is such a great Ayurvedic property. We have gone, gone from hair oil, we have gone to shampoo, and now we are looking at going to other places. Yeah, similarly, when we look at whether it is simple, which is clean beauty, whether it is love beauty and planet, we first focus on the, on the few categories or on the core, build the property over there, then we look at it whether the brand has the muscle to extend into other categories or adjacencies. Otherwise, if you do it too soon and too fast, you'll end up diluting it.
Got it, got it. So essentially, uh, you know, the reason to ask is also because you know, consumers today want newness. Maybe you know, Lakme may have may have a proposition, but you know, when the consumer upgrades, Lakme may not be their go-to brand. So, so in that situation, how do you how do you sort of tackle that situation? If we don't change the proposition of a brand, you know, what our perspective is. First is we straddle the pyramid. If you look at it, all are big categories, whether it is laundry, whether it is skin cleansing, whether it is hair, whether it is tea, we try to identify what are the benefit segments, whether our brands cover those benefit segments, and whether through our brands we are able to cover all the price points. So once you cover the brand, the benefit segments, and the price points, then you make it into a powerful portfolio. So that's what we look at it from a lens of category. We don't want to win just at a brand level. We want to win at a category level. So when you look at a skin care or face care, we have a fabulous brand in Glow and Lovely. Then we have got a fabulous brand in Pawns. And then there are segments of hand and body, if you look at the Opal Skincare. We also have Vaseline, we have Dove. And that is how we make a difference when it uh, comes to creating a powerful portfolio. And you win as a portfolio. That's what our focus has always been on. Got it, got it. And uh, my second and last question is on your MNA activities. So up until now, whatever MNA activities that that you know, HUL has done is largely been a portfolio which is which is typically not been within within Unilever portfolio or or actually in the region Unilever or DSK portfolio. But if you, if if tomorrow HUL decides to acquire one of the B2C companies, so my question is because it's a category in which Unilever is globally present. Would you be allowed, or or would you have to seed those category organically only? You know, see, first is when you look at an uh, organic growth, we look at it from a lens of strategic fit. And strategic fit, you're absolutely right. Whether it was Induleka, or whether it was Vwash, or whether it was uh, GSK Consumer Health, we entered into categories where we did not have a place. Yeah. And sometimes when you look at it, it's to gain capabilities. When we got Aditya Milk, it was not about that we weren't in ice cream because they had some fabulous capabilities in South of India with low-cost manufacturing. And also we wanted to have access to go to market because not many stores have multiple freezers. So we wanted a more footprint of freezers. That's why in certain part of India, that's where we went in for Aditya Milk acquisition. So we do look at, and sometimes you may also look at it from a lens, how much time will it take you to grow it organically versus how much time, uh, what will be the cost of acquiring it inorganically? So that is also the judgment play that comes in when you look at m and Got it. Got it, Andrew. Thank you very much. This answers my question. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Manoj Menon from ICICI Securities. Please go ahead. Hey, hi, team. Uh, uh, just two questions. One, uh, you know, on the e-com, uh, D2C, uh, the shaker, or the, in generic, let's say, the digital uh, interventions, uh, you know, which you have done and which you continue to do, 
Um, just trying to understand the uh, people side of it, the culture side of it, uh, if you, or even the structure side of it. Uh, you know, if you could talk a little more in terms of, uh, you know, let's say how are you structured and how's these different, uh, you know, endeavors uh, within the organization, the reporting structures, uh, you know, the the right people, the culture part of it. Uh, you know, so the context I'm trying to understand is, uh, you know, for a large company which is doing so many different, uh, commendably so, uh, just trying to understand, uh, you know, how do you ensure the uh, entrepreneurial, uh, you know, nimbleness, uh, you know, sort of a thing from a construct side of it, the quantitative and qualitative. Yeah. That's question number one, Sanjeev. Yeah, that's a good question, Manoj. And, you know, when we were sitting with uh, Premium Beauty Unit, and uh, first is we thought that we have to create a very entrepreneurial unit within a, small, within a large HUL. And uh, we were struggling with getting answers to the questions that you have now raised. So what we have done is we have carved out a different unit. We have brought in talent from outside who are very digitally savvy. We have pulled in people from within who are very entrepreneurial. And even our remuneration system for them, incentive, is very different. Yeah, so we have in many ways liberated them while giving them the benefit of the capabilities of a large HUL. So that's what we have planned to manage. When we started our reimagining HUL journey, uh, we did not start by any hierarchy and we did not start by that it has to be part of a different, of a certain function. So we had people who are most tech savvy, people who love technology, people who had ideas joined the Digi Council. And we started with a few experiments, which then got into uh, tens of experiments, over 100 experiments. When, then we dotted the line, we picked up the big ones, and we put the muscle of HUL from both resources perspective, man and money, to make it come alive. And that's how we have developed, say, a Shikhar app. A Shikhar app today, if you were to go and ask the retailer, from the benefit perspective and the use perspective, it would be at the very top of all the apps available in the market. You have to just measure the benefit of Shikhar app. If we were to spin it off as a separate entity, it would become unicorn overnight. Yeah. So what we are trying to do, Manoj, we are trying to create a soul of a small company in a large HUL even the recruitment of talent that we are doing, we are recruiting very different people today. So that we are building capabilities and modes for the future. Understood, Sanjeev. So, but from a structure point of view, uh, let's say a shaker would be under the, uh, you know, per the sales, uh, I mean, or the customer yeah. development, so, uh, per, you know, or the DQC would be housed under the personal care, I mean, ultimately reporting into how does those structures actually, uh, you know, are there correctly? Yeah. You know, today it's a different independent unit and it might cut across different categories. Yeah. So what the category head would do is, look at it that this brand from an architecture point of view makes sense but then it would be run completely independently yeah similarly e-commerce we have set it up as a separate unit and why multiple brands come into play in the e-commerce unit 
the e-commerce capabilities have been developed very separately. And we started investing in e-commerce capabilities much ahead of time. And we brought in resources from outside, again to augment the people who were there, whom we transferred, who were again much more tech savvy. So that's how we've been building it. You know, one of our big advantages that we have scale, we have resources, we have capabilities. So what you have to do is find out a sweet spot where you can liberate the people from the negative aspects of a large company which could slow you down, but provide the anchors of a big company which could provide the resources which a small company may not have. So that's what we are trying to create. Understood. Uh, Sanjeev, the second question, I'm not sure it's some, you know, to be asked in a quarter call, or maybe I can do that separately, uh, you know, with through Revy. Uh, look, one one thing about now, you know, the, the buzzword is literally in the last year and a half is probably deep to see and hygiene, of course, uh, you know, the second one, thanks to COVID. Uh, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, these are the newer things which have kind of, let's say, uh, you know, come up in terms of market creation opportunity. I vividly recall four years back, possibly it was Ayurveda. I don't really hear much uh, about Ayurveda. And I'm not talking about HUL, I'm talking about general. Yeah. Uh, I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, good management, uh, you know, what you don't do also matters equally or even more important than what you do. So two questions there, Sanjeev, actually. Uh, you know, because in an environment where a lot of these things comes, you know, of course, it's obviously a job to kind of differentiate what is the real trend and what is a fad. Uh, just trying to understand on these three, or maybe feel free to add more. Uh, you know, uh, have you do you think, let's say, Ayurveda because of the uh, potentially tailwind, uh, you know, at that time, uh, you know, where are we on Ayurveda at this point in time, uh, at, at an industry level uh, and maybe at an HUL level? Yeah. The same thing on uh, the hygiene new normal. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not interested in the last year base and kind of you know that that that's too short term. Uh, you know, how much, let's say, penetration increase, uh, you know, hygiene would have uh, brought in the last year and, you know, what does it mean for uh, the, the, let's say, my DCF into the medium term? And the third is maybe crystal ball gazing at this point in time on D2C and, uh, you know, a few other trends I, I myself would have missed. Thank you. Yeah. So first is, again, a very valid question. And uh, not to worry, it may not fall in uh, classically under the quarterly questions. But uh, if we look at it from a lens, that don't look at it Ayurveda, look at it naturals. Yeah? Naturals is a secular trend. It's not going to go away. And if you look at, in the premium beauty unit, some of the brands that we are building, like the, uh, you know, whether it is simple, which is clean beauty, or love beauty and planet, these are all under the naturals platform. Yeah, we are also looking at how do we extend into Lekha much wider. Again, this is all focusing on natural. And while a lot of noise was created by Patanjali at that stage, and they did give a fillip to natural, natural as a trend is not going to go away. Similarly, the heightened awareness of hygiene will not border on obsessiveness as they did last year, but it will certainly become a very important behavior point going forward. And when you look at e-commerce, why we believe e-commerce will remain for the simple reason if it gives benefit to the consumer from a convenience point of view and an assortment point of view, then it is bound to remain there. 
you know, when you look at uh, not just hygiene, but when you look at it, the consciousness for holistic wellness, it has moved to a new level altogether. People are today much more conscious than they were ever there about keeping themselves healthy, whether it is physical fitness, whether it is wellness, holistic wellness, mental health. All these things are not going to go away. And that is also the reason why we believe in the long term, for us, this entire play into micronutrients, nutrients, is uh, the Holix brand is going to remain a very strong feature. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, team. All the best and, uh, you know, season's greetings. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Shirish Pardeshi from Centrum Capital. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Good evening, Ritesh and Sanjeev. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. I have two burning questions and uh, specifically uh, what I have observed, uh, like uh, there is incremental focus through the digitization connecting last mile. Similar trends we are also seeing into the uh, retail trade. And as you mentioned, uh, that Shikhar is one way to reach the retailers uh, and cut down the lead time. Similarly, the cash and carry is also penetrating. There's a leading uh, cash and carry player is also navigating the growth in the market. So what point, what I'm trying to drive uh, is that the retailers has also become very savvy because he has a connectivity with the modern trade in nearby area. He's been serviced very frequently uh, by you uh, through Shikhar app and even cash and carry. So uh, there is a there is a uh, wrestling in my mind in which I believe that is there is a conscious inventory rationalization uh, is happening. I mean, you are the biggest company and maybe you can tell me something more about that trend. Uh, but I see that uh, this uh, digital focus is also trying to create some leeway and incrementally giving a better return on investment for the retailer. You are absolutely right. You know, the two big constraints for a retailer are space and money, right? So, and historically what used to happen is, uh, or historically also, even today, what happens with most retailers, that they go by the feel, and you will see that uh, because they have the space constraint, the number of assortments that they have are much fewer than what they would ideally like to keep. So what technology should allow them to do is first, very importantly, keep the right kind of assortment. One of the journey we are on is customizing the assortment for each store, not based on what they sell, but what they should sell. And that is how we make a pitch to a retailer. The second is, instead of keeping 20 pieces of three sizes, they may be able to keep 20 pieces of three variants, they may be able to keep 20 pieces of seven or eight variants, yeah, and reduce. And with more frequent uh, fill-up that they would happen, they would be able to operate with one small, much smaller inventory, but with a higher assortment, their throughput would go up. The other is credit. You know, a retailer normally borrows from either NBFCs or from the market at much higher rate. Just think of it, the program that we have with SBI, which allows us to give them credit at very fine rates, much lower than the market rates, would again become a game changer. 
So the way I look at it, the GT retailer of the future will become much more technological savvy, will become, uh, there would be much more digitization of GT trade, and the key critical pain points of space and money will get helped to a large extent by companies like us when we look at helping the retailer. I, Sanjeev, completely agree. And having worked in uh, side with the company in the trade, uh, I, I, that's my observation. But what I'm trying to see that there is a risk uh, for a company like us uh, who has full-grown uh, in terms of distribution. Uh, if that inventory rationalization... which is oh, Inventory rationalization will be a one-point event. Yeah, And it will not happen overnight across 11 million outlets. Okay. It will happen at different points. But importantly your sustainable growth rate will depend on throughput. Okay. So you will need strong brands, you will need better service, and if you're able to augment it with customized assortment and credit, that's what will become a game changer for a retailer. Okay, okay. Uh, my second and last question, uh, while observing this quarter trend, <coughs> I was tend to believe that uh, with uh, most of the companies have started advertising. Uh, but when I look at your advertising spends, uh, whether you look at percentage to net sales or on a YOY, the growth rates for advertisement is little lower. So was it that companies doing a conscious attempt to build the demand side, we are putting more promotions and discounts in the market and putting less money on the advertising? No, what we are trying to do is a better attribution to growth. That's what we are planning to do. That's what we have been doing. So we are, you know, significantly enhancing our capability of media deployment so that we can get a better bang for the buck and have a more linkage uh, uh, where uh, the linkage between the money we spend and the growth becomes even more, much more clearer and darker. That is what we have attempted to do. If you look at our advertising spend, even today, is significantly ahead of our market share. Okay. Yeah, and I'm talking about significantly, not a bit, but many percent points ahead of our market share. No, my, 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 my short point here is that if that is the trend, uh, uh, we should build in our thoughts that the ad spend will remain uh, less than 7, 8, 9 percent and not build it at 11 you, you, you know, I don't want to put a number to it because we, you know, we look at various things. We look at competitive spend. We also look very closely at our reach and frequency. And increasingly, we are slicing it by LSM and not doing it over a general population. And then we are also looking at it from a perspective that how much we are spending in the traditional channels, how much we are spending it in non-traditional channels. So we are trying increasingly to make a science out of it. Sure, sure, got it. Thank you, thank you Sanjeev and team, uh, and all the best. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Richard Liu from JM Financial. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, good evening, everyone. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, I'm sorry to come back to this uh, to this subject again, but uh, wanted to get your thoughts on. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, parents. Richard. Uh, we are not able to hear you clearly, sir. Sorry, is this better? 
Yeah, better. Thank you. Okay. Uh, uh, Sanjeev Ritesh, hi. Uh, you know, wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, on the apparent dichotomy in, uh, in your outlook uh, as far as rural growth is concerned. Uh, you know, one month back in the Investor Day deck, uh, that had a slide that talked about distinct resilience in rural momentum post-COVID. And uh, now the thought seems to be that rural is slowing. And I, I, I agree it's Nielsen data, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but if we keep the syndicated data aside, uh, can you help us with your perspectives on what you and your sales force uh, are actually seeing in your business on the ground and how do these differ versus uh, two, three, or even one month back? Uh, are you really sensing a drop in rural sentiments and demand in any which way? And while on this, um, can you also elaborate on what would be the lead indicators that you would look for uh, to signal a recovery here on, uh, irrespective of what Nielsen might say, uh, you know, one quarter later? Uh, thank you. You know, Richard, if we were to look at just our numbers of sales, then we would still believe that uh, the rural growth remains robust Yeah, for the September quarter. And that is the reason why in the investor conference, we were still talking about a very resilient number. Is when we look at the numbers which have come out from Nielsen, you know, that's when our antenna went up and then we deciphered it. And if we look at a couple of weeks of sales uh, in the rural areas, we have seen some element of softening. Now, whether that is linked to unseasonal rainfall, whether it is linked to other extraneous factors, it's a bit difficult to put your fingers on the pulse. And that is the reason we have highlighted this because you know, one of the things which HUL does very well is pick up signals ahead of time. If you remember, even in 17-18, we were the first company to talk about rural slowdown before anyone else did. So I thought that because we were getting into the September quarter uh, call with analysts and investors, it was important to flag it off. But we are also putting a caveat that there are base issues yeah, and uh, let's not jump to a conclusion without observing it for a few more months that indeed that has been a case of a slowdown. Got it, Sanjeev. Uh, thank you. Very useful. Wish you all the best. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the last question from audio. Over to you, uh, Mr. A. Ravi Shankar, for further proceedings. Okay. Um, I'll skip the web questions because we have mostly answered them or uh, we have few questions from retail investors. I would request them to reach out to us, uh, uh, the Investor Relations Department. Our contact details are on the website. With that, we now come to the end of the Q&A session. Before we end, let me remind you again that the playback of this event will be available on our website in a short while and you will be able to go back and refer to it. A copy of the results and presentation, if not with you, is already on the website and you can go back and refer to that as well. With that, we would like to draw this call to a close. Thank you everyone for your participation and have a great evening ahead. Stay safe and stay well. Thank you. Thank you everyone. Take care. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf